Good afternoon, my beloved family and friends in Christ. You know, with the testimony we heard from the baptism candidate just now, what more can I add? But we still have to continue, we have to press on, because we are into the third of our four Advent message. And today we are covering the good news of Christmas, the coming of joy. Advent comes from a Latin word and it means arrival or coming. And Christians, we usually celebrate Advent in the four weeks prior to Christmas. And this celebration, the purpose is for us to prepare our hearts as we anticipate our celebration on Christmas Day. We prepare our hearts by remembering Jesus Christ's arrival some 2,000 years ago. We prepare ourselves by remembering His coming back again for us someday. And this is what we shall be doing today as we look at the coming of joy. Let us pray. Almighty Father and Father of light, a child is born to us and a son is given to us. Your eternal word leap down from heaven in the seven silent watches of the night. And now your church is filled with wonder at the nearness of her God. Open our hearts, I pray, to receive your word and increase our vision of our Saviour, Lord and Christ, so that our lives may be filled with His glory and His peace and His joy. He who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. All human beings seek happiness. And we see evidence of this all around us. We see this at the international level. The United Nations, they publish an annual World Happiness Report. And this report outlines the state of world happiness, the causes of happiness and misery, and the policy implications highlighted by the case study. The goal of this report is to raise the happiness level of the respective countries. And if you remember, even in Singapore some years ago, there was talk of including what we call a happiness quotient, HQ, together with our GDP, our gross domestic product. And this too was supposed to be our measure of success. And we see this also at the level of the popular culture. The 2006 movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, starring Will Smith, it captures, this movie captures the desire for happiness by the individual and family. And in fact, as I was preparing for, looking for illustrations for this message, I googled the word, the pursuit of happiness. And guess what? I found a non-profit interfaith organisation, and this is the mission statement, is dedicated to bring the signs of happiness to life. So everyone seeks happiness. And we see this among Christians as well. Uh, Pascal, a 17th century Christian philosopher, writes, All men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and others avoiding it is the same desire in both, but attended with different views. The will never takes the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man, 
even those who hang themselves. So what he's trying to say here is that all human beings, we seek happiness. And my friends, you also want to be happy, don't you? If the pursuit of happiness is universal and is ingrained into human being, then the follow-up question is this, what will make us happy? And before we, I continue, I know that much of Christian thinking in the last hundred years or so, we tend to make a distinction between happiness and joy. No, we, we say that happiness is described as a feeling that is dependent on circumstances around us, and joy is independent of circumstances. This is a useful description. But if you look at the way the Greek word is translated and used in the Bible, there are overlaps between how our English Bible uses the words happiness and joy. And if you look at a Bible dictionary, it will tell us joy is the emotion of what? Of great happiness, gladness, and pleasure. So there are overlaps. So I'll use these two words interchangeably. And while words and how we use words are important, the more important question for us to ask is what is the basis for our happiness and joy? What grounds our happiness and joy? Another way to put it is what will make you and me happy or what will bring you and me joy? So we will look at today's passage. This is what we are looking at in today's passage in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 20. So if you have Bibles, please take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. And as we turn to today's passage in your Bible, let's catch up with the story so far. Luke writes in Luke chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, that his purpose for writing this gospel is so that his readers would understand that the gospel is for all, for all both Jews and Gentiles alike, since Jesus Christ is the promised one of God. And all throughout chapter 1 of Luke, the birth of Jesus is foretold. And we get a strong sense, a strong sense of anticipation, of waiting. The Jews were eagerly awaiting for their Messiah to come to rescue them. And we see in the passage just before today's passage, in Luke 2 chapter Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 7, Luke tells us of the birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in lowly and humble conditions. And in today's passage, in verses 8 to 20, which we'll be looking at later, we see the responses to the birth of Jesus Christ, both heavenly and human responses. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 2, Verse 8 to 20. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. <clears throat> and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth 
and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. Now, I'm really glad to be able to preach on the day where a number of us got baptised. And weren't the baptisms we observed just now wonderful? We have heard from them and read their testimonies of both the baptism and transfer candidates. We have seen their joy as they told us of how God has been good to them. And just as we witnessed the joy in Grace, Stephanie, Andrew, Jocelyn, Samantha and Alvira, today we shall also see the rejoicing that accompanied Jesus' birth at Jesus' first coming. So keep your finger on verses 8 to 13 as we catch a glimpse when the veil of heaven was peeled back and we see the angels rejoicing. The scene is set for us. At the time Jesus was born around Bethlehem, there were shepherds tending sheep in the field. You know, some people say shepherds, you know, they were the outcasts or gypsy of their time, but this is actually a much later development. If you look at first century, you look at the, what was written in the first century, shepherds tend to have, we tend to talk about shepherds in terms of God having, giving shepherds over his people. So shepherds do have a good reputation in the first century. So regardless of that, what exactly do we see here? We see that shepherds were the ordinary working people in a largely farming society. And it is to these working people not royalty, that a messenger from God appears. The angel appears and God's glory presence filled the area. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? You minding your own business, going about the daily routine of work, when suddenly the immense weight of God's glory and beauty overwhelms you. And when ordinary sinful people encounters a holy God, fear is the natural outcome. However, instead of executing God's judgment on the shepherds, the angel tells them in verses 10 to 11, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. The shepherds receive a great good news of great joy. It is an announcement that brings a feeling and emotion of overwhelming happiness, gladness and pleasure. 
And this good news is for the people of Israel. This good news is for Israel. And as the Gospel of Luke develops, we see that this good news is indeed for all the people, both Jews and Gentiles. And what is this good news? You look at your Bible, the word for connects verses 10 and 11. And it tells us in verse 11, the reason for this good news. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. We can rejoice. We can rejoice because God has become man to save His people. Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. God has become man. And we see here a fulfillment of the prophecy in Micah 5.2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. God's ruler of Israel, His Messiah King, has been born in Bethlehem. And we see the identity of the one who was born in verse 11. This baby is Saviour. Saviour. This baby is Christ. And this baby is Lord. He is the one who will save and deliver His people. That's what Saviour means. And for the shepherds, the most immediate realization is that this baby was to one day rescue Israel, rescue his people from the oppression of Roman rule. But as Luke's gospel moves unstoppably towards the cross, Luke's readers will realize that this baby, this baby will save them from their sins by dying on the cross on their behalf. And this baby is the Christ. Christ is a title. It means anointed one or Messiah. And the imagery of anointing occurs in Israel when a king takes the throne. It is a ceremony in which the incoming king is blessed by the pouring of all on their heads. And if you notice, with this imagery in mind, it tells us that this baby is God's anointed one, God's chosen one, God's Messiah for His people. And this baby is Lord. Lord means one who rules, a king. So this baby is God's Messiah king who will rescue God's people. And to give proof of the announcement of this good news, the angels tell the shepherds, it gives the shepherd a sign of what they just said is true. The sign of baby Jesus born in Bethlehem. And at this point, to punctuate the message, the angel and the heavenly host breaks out into a display of heavenly praise and worship of God. This is a message of great rejoicing. Luke tells us believers that we can rejoice because God has become man to save His people. This is the reason and basis for our joy. This reason, uh, the basis for our joy and happiness is this, the Gospel, that God has become man in the person of Jesus Christ 
Jesus Christ is our Messiah King who saves us from our sins. He, we are liberated from misery, from enslavements to our sins. We are free for once to know real joy and happiness. Knowing this, we should follow Habakkuk 3.18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll take joy in the God of my salvation. This gospel of our salvation should motivate and drive us to rejoicing. We can be happy, we can be glad, we can take pleasure in the beauty of Jesus Christ and all He has done for us. So what? What does this mean for you and me? Firstly, we should receive the good news. The gospel is good news only for those who trust and receive it. So for our friends and visitors who are with us today, for those among us who are still exploring Christianity, if you want to know a little bit more about receiving this joy and happiness, please talk to your Christian friend who brought you here or your Christian friend in church. I'm sure he or she will be able to help you explore more, help you further along in your exploration of what it means to be joyful and happy in Christ. Secondly, as author G.K. Chesterton said, the eighties sees beauty, but has no one to thank, thus no one to be happy in. Christians, we can learn to be thankful to God. Joy and happiness grows in a seedbed of thankfulness and gratitude. Let me say that again. Joy and happiness grows in a seedbed of thankfulness and gratitude. And what is it that we can be thankful for? We can be thankful for this good news of great joy. We can be happy and joyful because unto you and me is born this day Christ the Lord. You know, the shepherds, on hearing the good news of great joy, they immediately responded. And their response completed their joy. You know, what do I mean when I say completing their joy? You know, this is something, what do you mean, Oli? What do you mean when you say completing your joy? The announcement of good news is from God. But in our response, we can complete the joy. So let me, let me give you an example of one of my friends here in church. You know, I have a friend originally from East Malaysia, and he leaves, he loves and he's been living in Singapore and he absolutely loves Sarawak Kolomi. Okay? And when the trend of Sarawak Kolomi came to Singapore a few years back, he will go hunting for the food places that sells it. You know, he will seek out these places with the expectation that he will once again taste this near-perfect dish that he gets back in Sarawak. And when he finds good food places that sells it, what does he do? He goes around telling others about them. And I can testify, I've been on the receiving end of his enthusiasm more than once. And when I've gone to eat Sarak Kolomi with him, I witnessed the shock expression on his face and heard his praises of the dish. You know, my friend, he didn't create the dish of Sarak Kolomi. So his delight depended on the dish. His delight depended on the chef who created the dish. But in his seeking of the noodles, 
in his telling others of how good it is. In his experience and his praise he gives while eating it, all this gives him pleasure. His response completes his joy. And this is what the shepherds did. They responded to this good news of great joy and in doing so, completing their joy. However, one note of reminder, our response is always to God's prior work of grace. God graciously takes the initiative. And we see this in, verses, in verse 15. Even as the shepherds go to look for baby Jesus, they recognize that this response is, uh, this is in response to which the Lord has made known to us. Their response was a response to what God has done for them. Their effort on completing their joy was based on and motivated by God, what God has revealed to them. And what did that shepherd do in response? And we see this firstly in verse 15. They went over to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened. See this thing that has happened. Do you notice that? Their seeking was not one of uncertainty. They didn't go, um, let's go and see. And if the baby is there, the baby is there. You know, maybe the baby will be there, maybe it will not. They sought with certain expectations that it will be fulfilled. They trusted the message from God, trusting that God will keep His word and it will come to pass. You seek with expectation that it will be fulfilled. If you're not finding joy, could it be either you're not seeking or you're seeking without the full trust that you will find it? You complete your joy by seeking, eagerly seeking God, expecting that He will be found. Secondly, we see in verse 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that has been told them concerning his child. When the shepherds received the good news, they didn't think, uh, let's go attend classes on evangelism or let's sign up for this three months course on evangelism explosion. I mean, getting equipped is good, don't get me wrong. However, we see the shepherds from an overflow of their joy, they immediately tell others about the message of Jesus. You complete your joy by telling others about the message. My friends, if you're not joyful, could it be because you're not telling others about the good news of great joy about Jesus Christ? Finally, we see in verse 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they heard and seen as He had been told them. On receiving the news, they sought out Jesus. They told others about the message of Jesus Christ. And we see here, they glorified and praised God for all they had heard and seen. What they heard and seen confirmed God's message to them. That God has become man in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our Messiah King who saves us from our sins. You complete your joy by worshipping and praising God for all He has done for us.
Christians, we can have joy because of the gospel. That God become man in Christ to save and rule over His people. And this leads us to seek God, to witness to this good news and to worship God. But what now? As church, what should we be doing? You know, as church, we have set aside the four weeks leading to Christmas as this time of Advent for the preparation of our hearts. So spend this time before Christmas seeking God. That's the quote by Daryl Bock. I'd like to give you a quote so that at the bottom there's a quote by Daryl Bock. It says this, Sometimes just the reflection that comes from the Christmas season or reflecting on Jesus' story can renew our sense of relationship to God. So do it. Complete your joy. Seek God. Also, we can use this season of Christmas as a quote-unquote excuse to share the good news of the gospel. I know of one member in our church who this year just joined the Toastmasters and the Toastmasters, they wanted to have a little celebration for Christmas. And what he did was, he told them, look, I volunteer. I will lead in the Christmas songs and carol. So this group, comprising mainly of non-Christians, they get to celebrate Christmas. And they get to hear in the singing of Christmas songs the good news of great joy in Christ Jesus. So what about you? What opportunities do you have during this, in this Christmas period of telling the good news of great joy of Jesus Christ. Do it. Complete your joy. Tell the story of the gospel of God. Finally, come together as church for the four Sundays of Advent and this Christmas Sunday to wholeheartedly worship God. You know, we have done something different in our worship service uh, uh, in terms of the arrangement. We do this especially for Advent so that as a church, we can reflect on the good news and come worship God. So do this. Complete your joy. Come worship God together as church. What about the shepherds? You know, have you ever thought what happened to the shepherds after they heard this phenomenal news? They likely went back to the ordinariness of their lives. But I know they have been marked for life by the message of great news of good news of great joy. They've been marked for life by the encounter with Jesus. And I ask that you use your imagination and picture with me. Maybe one of them, still living after 33 years, one day when he is old. And you perhaps hear again of the news of the baby. However, instead of lying in a wooden cradle, the baby, now a man, is crucified and dies on a wooden cross. Instead of being wrapped in sweating cloth, the baby, now a man, is wrapped in barrel cloth and buried in a tomb. Instead of the news only told in Bethlehem, they hear that the good news of great joy, that He is risen, this good news is told to the ends of the earth. This shepherd rejoices the good news of great joy that Jesus Christ saves us from our sins. 
And when he finally closes his eyes for the last time, he opens them and finds that instead of seeing and hearing the good news of great joy from the angels, he finds that he now joys a great multitude from the nations. And the angels singing with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is His message of great joy. This message of great joy is also for you. Let us pray. Saving God who walked the earth in Eden and by Galilee, we praise you for your everlasting love, enduring patience, and for your greatest gift of all, the grace gift of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord, for all who believe. Amen.